With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to Happy, Sad, Confused. This week, we close out the year with an Academy Award-winning actress poised to earn another nomination and perhaps win, Natalie Portman. Plus, I reveal my top 10 movies of the year. Oh. <laughs> that's Sammy. I'm Josh Horowitz. And no, I have not won an Oscar yet, but that's okay. We we welcome Oscar winners here. Yes. And by virtue of proximity, we feel we're all winners. And I think... I think you got another one. I think she's got another one coming, this Natalie. She may. I mean, we also, you know, we love our Emma Stone here. And she, uh, she of course, is nominated, is going to be nominated uh, for La La Land. But yes, Natalie is phenomenal in this film. Jackie is the movie. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. Go check it out. A really great piece of work from a filmmaker by the name of Pablo Lorraine. And it's really all about Natalie Portman in this film. She's fantastic. Anyway, uh, because uh, time is short, I want to just rattle through. Let's go. Not that, Let's do not it. that anyone cares except for you, Sam, because you, you want to make fun of me. <laughs> Let's do it. I've been debating here my top 10 movies of 2016. And I think everyone should know this has been – he was editing this up until mere seconds ago. I literally just changed one. <laughs> yeah. And I and I, I still might change – okay, so I'm going like, to can't Once you say it, it's done. You no, can't it's not change true. it back. I, they, yes. These are fluid. As of right now, when I take this, these are my top 10 of the year. Okay, and a couple caveats. I'm not, I, I have no documentaries in here because that's a whole other thing. And frankly, I'm behind on my documentaries. Um, and there's also some stuff about OJ, the OJ doc, mm -hmm. which would be in my top 10. OJ Made in America is phenomenal. It's eight hours. It was done for ESPN. And I there's a lot of debate of whether it's a film or a TV show. It's being positioned as a film and it's going to be nominated as such for the Oscars. Um I don't know if I agree with that. It would be in there if it was a film for me. Uh, Wiener is also an amazing documentary. Uh, there are a lot of good ones out there. But no docs in here. These are all just narratives. You know, mm -hmm. uh, here we go. Okay. That was the only caveat? Also, I, I'll just say I'm way behind on my foreign films, so I don't have foreign films in okay. here. And I know obviously that, that omits like 60% of, of, of great filmmaking. These are these are my top ten no, this American, is an American podcast. narrative yeah. America <laughs> must. <Yeah. laughs> um, okay, so here top ten, uh, no discernible order except alphabet alpha, alphabetized. Is that it? Yeah, alphabetized. Sure. Okay, here we go. Uh, Arrival. Send me send me with a commentary mm -hmm. after each one. Not, I'm nodding. Okay, I'm nodding. I'm not. Arrival uh, with the great Amy Adams, sci-fi Denis Villeneuve. Love that filmmaker. Uh, La La Land. Mm-hmm. No brainer. Mm -hmm. Love that movie. Um, Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling. What? what? You just made a face. We'll get into La La Land. Okay. Offline. Uh, Manchester by the Sea. Mm, classic. <laughs> it's a great drama from Kenny Lonergan. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's sad. Got a lot of great humor to it too. Amazing performances from Casey Affleck, uh, Michelle Williams, etc. Uh, a Monster Calls. Mm. I know this isn't going to show up on a ton of top ten lists. This is one of my favorites of the year. Um, a beautiful film from uh, Juan Antonio Bayona. Um, it is. Uh, it made me cry buckets of tears. And you know I have no capacity for human emotion. Go see A Monster wow. Calls. It's amazing. Uh, Moonlight, mm. which we've done a ton of on the podcast here. Um, again, amazing set of performances. Uh, fantastic direction by Barry Jenkins. Go seek it out. This one's controversial. You ready? I can't wait. 
the Neon Demon. Oh my god. Neon Demon from Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm telling you, I, okay. I I found it mesmerizing. I think it's uh I think it's style with purpose. I think it's uh I think he's when he focuses his talents in the right way, uh, I think Nicholas Refn is a fantastic filmmaker. Drive was one of my favorite movie of that year. Neon Demon makes the list. Another controversial one, you ready? Yep. Pop star, never stop. Never stop. <laughs> okay. Best comedy of the year. Period. Okay. Done. Next one. This is the one I just changed. Oh, I can't wait. Rogue One. Wow. So here's the here's my quick spiel on this. I had Rogue One or Fantastic Beasts as, <gasps> as my kind of blockbuster slot. And I find them both enormously satisfying in the kind of like blockbuster mainstream filmmaking capacity. I think Rogue One worked for me as a more self-contained story. I think Fantastic Beasts opened up this universe and started it off. They, they both could just as well easily be on the top 10. I, in the end, I went with Rogue One. Uh, next up, Sing Street. Sing Street, fantastic film. I first saw at Sundance from John Carney, uh, who did um, yeah, Once and Begin Again, another blend of kind of music and drama and comedy. Um, great movie. Check it out. And finally, uh, Swiss Army Man. You I, love Dan Rad. I, lo- I love I think it's. I think it might be Dan's, my favorite of Dan's performances. I, I think it's, uh, yes, the shorthanded is, is the farting corpse movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. So weird that you would love that. It's so not <laughs> no, up here. No. So not your kind of. No, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful piece of work. And um, yeah, I just loved him and Paul Dano in it and uh, love the Daniels. They are the filmmakers behind it. Anyway, that's my top 10, Sammy. Okay. Stop judging me. I, I am. Okay, guys. No, it was pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, okay. it was pretty good. Okay. Are no really... animated movies, but it's pretty I, good. It wasn't now. No. Okay. All right. Anyway, moving on uh, mm-hmm. to the uh, main event, uh, Natalie Portman. Now, Jackie wasn't in my top 10, but I, I absolutely could have just as easily put it in there. Jackie's a great piece of work. Um, it is, of course, it's called a biopic is a little disingenuous because biopic, you think like cradle to grave kind of thing. This is more a slice of life. This is like basically the few days after JFK's assassination uh, and how um, his wife basically dealt with it and in and, and, and terms of like uh, cemented his legacy and her legacy. You saw Jackie. Yeah, I saw it. You I liked loved it. it. Yeah. It's really thought, interesting filmmaking too, yeah, right? Yeah. I thought she was so good in it. And the way she walked, I mean, she was incredible. Yeah. And she talks about in this conversation how she's not, uh, you know, Natalie Portman's not necessarily an actor you think of as like a chameleon that kind of like is like an imitator. And and that I think was one of the challenges and, and scary parts of the performance for her. But she absolutely nails it. She uh, disappears into this role. Mm-hmm. And uh, this conversation's great. She's uh, super smart. Uh, t- we talk about a lot of uh, her career in this from uh, the professional and Star Wars to Woody Allen to, you know, navigating tricky territory for a young actress. She's very candid and talking about sort of how when she was very young, like she she and her parents were very conscious of her not being sexualized at a young age as an actor. And I think her comments are very insightful. Um, so really thrilled that she came on the podcast. Um, and uh, she, you're going to be hearing a lot about her through the award season and justifiably so. Yeah. Go uh, check out uh, Jackie uh, now in theaters and uh, enjoy this uh, conversation with uh, one of our best, uh, Ms. Natalie Portman. Wow, this is a good episode. As opposed to what? What do you mean? I'm just saying. This is a really good one. Yeah, but this one's up there. They're all pretty good. Yeah, this one's good. Not pretty good. It's good. Okay, get Sammy's (laughs) seal of approval. You can all go about your business now and enjoy the episode. You should watch this. You should listen to this one. Yeah, watch your screen and listen with your ears. (laughs) 
Natalie, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. And by here, I mean in a uh, beautiful Midtown hotel with sirens going off outside. Yes. And where they've like removed the furniture from the room. Yes. Save for... I got your writer. I know you don't like any... I hate um, furniture. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put any couches in her view. Just carpet. (laughs) Just wall-to-wall carpet. Um, no, but it's a real pleasure to catch up with you. You know, um, yeah. it's been a it's been a few years, I think, since I've uh, sat down with you, and certainly um, a few years since you've had a project that's really, I think, taken hold of people's imaginations. Like this one, Jackie's a great piece of work. Congratulations! Um, this is a little bit of a sense of deja vu for you in that. Was six years ago, Aronofsky was part of the process, obviously in Black Swan. He's a producer on this one. It's getting the kind of quote unquote awards buzz. Does it? Is there a sense of deja vu or no? I don't know. I feel like every project is so different and and really the way you feel about um, each one is so unique and and the experience making it is really sort of what defines it. And yeah. this definitely had its a very discreet, um, uh, you know, experience yeah. from, from anything else I've ever done. So is this one... Um I mean, you, you're we're in the middle of one of those silly kind of junket days where you probably have to do a bunch of those five minute interviews, which is never not my favorite, certainly not your favorite. Um, is it is this the kind of day you steal yourself against? You're like you have to prepare yourself mentally before you go into a day like this. It's it's a lot. I mean, I don't know if people know about it so much, but yeah. I mean, I guess to explain, if you don't know, it, and sorry if you do, that you know <laughs> the junket is like you you do like 45 minute interviews in a row and essentially everyone asks you the same questions. So you're just repeating yourself and boring everyone in the process. Um, And it does, it, 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 it doesn't feel like the most productive. It feels like there's a better model that we can all figure out yes. at this point. Yes. I, I, I mean, I'm so desensitized to it on my end for years. I actually did a, um, I did a show for Comedy Central I wrote called Junketeers. That's a workplace oh, comedy set in the junket world because, no I mean, I'm sure you have a thousand stories. I have 10,000 stories on my end. And uh, it's just one of those insane artificial environments yeah. where nothing really um coherent can come out of it yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely but um you know obviously you want you want people to see the yeah, movie yeah. that you care about um but but it is a lot of repeating yourself which right. makes you feel like it makes you feel fake but then you're like but if that's I actually changed, what i real, feel yeah, about this i know it's what i feel and if you change your answer then that would be the fake yes. lying thing but so are you are you learning? Is it is it instructive? Like when you start to like screen this in front of audiences, you do the Q and A's at the same time and do the silly junk interviews. Do you do you find that you learn more about the project in a way? Are you kind of like realizing its impact on on people is different than you imagined it'd be? I mean, that's got to be somewhat gratifying to find out. Oh wait, this is meaning something different than I even thought it did. Yeah, it's always interesting. I think when you interact with people once the film is finished, you see the different things people take away from it and how much people's own context affects the way they view the movie. I mean, even, you know, the movie started screening before the elections and now after, and that's been really interesting to see, you know, how the shaping of the conception of the movie and the message of the movie that people are taking away has changed because of that. And of course, none of it was intended. Sure. We weren't thinking about the elections at all. We didn't know who was going to be the candidates when we made the movie. So, um, you know, it, it, none of it is intentional and all of it 
all of those reactions are sort of context-based. So has your perception of the movie changed in the last couple of weeks since this like world shifting <laughs> event has taken place? Um, not my, I mean, my sort of feelings about life. Sure. Changed, the, the bigger but, stuff even, yes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> in place terms in the universe, of, yeah. yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but, um, the movie itself, I, I find it hard to have any sort of like judgment on a movie I I'm in sure. anyway. So I, I, I feel like everything I take out of it, like I was saying before, is really from the experience and and sort of what you're going through and thinking about while you're making it. And so yeah. all of those ideas kind of were experienced um, and formed while while filming the movie. Is there a certain type of experience that you're kind of chasing after on every project or are you kind of willing to kind of go with the flow and open yourself up to a different kind of environment? Um, I mean, you've done, you've done so much work at this point where you probably know the kinds of directors you want to be around and don't want to be around the kind of sets you right. you enjoy or don't enjoy. What are you what are you hoping to get out of every film and does it vary? Well, I think I appreciate now more than ever how much of a a group effort making a movie is and when it works, it's like totally magic kind of orchestra almost because it's like everyone is playing their own instrument but right. together in this way where we don't rehearse together. I mean, even if the actors rehearse together, you're never rehearsing with like the camera operators and the sound people sure. and the focus pullers and the, uh, you know, grips and all of the people who have to be doing their jobs well um, and intuitively and emotionally and together. Um, and so it's really magic. And so that's always what you're kind of grasping for is is trying to connect to the people you're working with in that way that allows you to to make something together sure um it, it's also interesting to me like i, I actually just um i don't know if you passed cross when you were at the today show this morning i just chatted with shia labeouf for the podcast and he you know it's it's interesting like what different actors want to get out of a of an experience right and like uh, you know he's he's at a place in his life where he is kind of like I think he's craving, you know, pushing himself and like and, and punishing himself if he needs to and that kind of a thing. And I, I'm always curious, like, where an actor is at in their life because you know at a certain point you want to you want to enjoy yourself, <laughs> you want to enjoy mm -hmm. the experience. I mean, there's something to be said for, um, you know, making a, an environment um, healthy for yourself and others. Um, has a has a film set always felt like a self, a safe place for you from the beginning? Is it is it a place where you feel more comfortable than other places? Give me a sense of sort of like what. I do feel very comfortable on a film set and and with the sort of rhythm of filmmaking. You know, going someplace a few months and then leaving. Yeah. Um, I think probably because I grew up in that rhythm. You know, I've been working since I was eleven years old in this um, in this world. So it does become. Um, sort of second nature to be in that environment and um, and have that rhythm of life um, in terms of, you know, having this like joy, I think it's super important. And that's why I'm always, I'm always surprised when people sort of ask me why I mix in with working on more dramatic Right, um, your highness things. or something like that. Right, like it, comedies or, yeah. you know, uh, sort of, superhero movies sure. or and and for me I think so much is about joy and um and finding pleasure through new experiences too and for me it's very much about um 
about new experiences and and for me creating is very much an act of desire and an act of pleasure and right. so i think even if that means in a role that is uh emotionally difficult um you know that's that's very much a part of it you're listening to happy sad confused we'll be right back after this without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done let's go back a little bit to even like when you were getting into acting for a second i mean so before even the professional Leon, um, uh, were you, where were you at? You were doing some theater. You were, you were understudying as I understand it. Like where, where, where was your head at in terms of like your aspirations? Well, I, I was really in like school plays and camp plays and right. stuff like that. Um, and I started auditioning when I was like 10 and, um, I, the first thing I got was I understood in an off-Broadway musical called Ruthless. Um, and and then the second thing I got was The Professional. Right. So I was trying out for like everything, like commercials and soap operas and basically anything I could get an audition for. But it, I just it, never got those It's so parts. funny to, <laughs> to think about how much luck obviously plays into it in that like if you had gotten on – frankly, the shitty sitcom of the week, whatever. Absolutely. Like your I would life. have been thrilled. Yeah. I would have been, yeah. <laughs> it's totally true that um, the first thing you do defines a lot of what comes after, even if it's a reaction to that. I mean, even some of the people, I mean, look, people like Ryan Gosling started on like Mickey Mouse Club and obviously he, he built a very serious career after that. So um, it's not like, it's more it's, of a hill to climb. It's it's it's, it's right, uh, and also then you have to really work against that. Yes. Um, is it true that uh, even again for that understudy that was Britney Spears the other one that was also understudying for that? She was the understudy before me. Oh, so it. I, and I think she the reason she left is I think she got on the Mickey Mouse Club. Amazing. And <laughs> so You're that was path. how I that was how I got that job. Yeah. You could be in Vegas right now headlining. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I just had Luke Besson in for the for the podcast, oh, wow. which was a real treat. I'm such a fan of his. And he's I, amazing. He's a genius. I mean, we throw that word around, but he's legit he really is, a visionary. Yeah. Um, and cool that he's coming back to sci-fi with this crazy new film that he's just done. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. So so talk to me a little bit about just being on set. Like, I'm always curious for a child actor. Like, were you treated like a kid? Were you treated like an adult? Like, did you feel like you were part of an adult world? Did you feel condescended to? And I don't even mean that in... I mean that is a negative word, but like, right. how did how did how did Luke and others treat you on the set of that first one? I think it was um, a combination of being treated like an adult in terms of respect and the professionalism that's expected from you, but also um, as a kid in you know just being appropriate around you and um, you know trying to make it fun for you because for a kid it's it's play more than work. And I was lucky. I think my parents were really central in that they really um you know really emphasized always uh having fun and never pressured me to do anything never got involved in the money aspect of it um 
with me and really were just sort of allowing me to do what I love to do and were always sort of like, yeah. you know, whenever you don't like it, let's move on, do something else. And right. um, and then also really just protected me from sort of the the bad things you hear about. Like I never, I don't think I saw drugs until I was like, in my late twenties, yeah. you know, I, well, that's the funny thing. So, like, I, we were when we were sitting down. Like, I grew up here in New York City too, yeah. and maybe I just had a very sheltered existence too. Yeah. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've like, yeah. I've been, I like, I've <laughs> never seen any. I've virtually never seen anything. Right. And it's like I think people imagine if you grow up in a professional environment, if you right. grow up in the city, it's like prostitutes and whatever. Right. And it's yeah, I think it's it's sort of a it's it's all avoidable when the like environment, you know, when the parents yeah. especially are, are kind of creating an environment that is is cleaner and, and my parents absolutely did that. So uh, what did you make of the actors you were working with? Like what was your impression of like Jean Renaud or Gary Oldman? Who, oh, like, I mean, it was incredible. I feel so lucky that, you know, on my first film I got to watch them because so much of what you do as a kid is just sort of sponge from the people you're around yeah. and try and copy them and, and what they do. and. Jean was so, I mean, he's such a great actor and, and was so kind of minimalist with what he did, um, but always really interesting. And then Gary allowed this like wild eccentricity and um, it was it was just really lucky to get to yeah. to work with them. I, I asked Luke about this and I know is ironically, despite it being your first film, it's probably one of the films you were asked most about because mm -hmm. it, it does have a really special place in a lot of people's heart. Did you ever talk to Luke or anybody about doing a continuation? Was that something you wanted to do or is it something that? We did at one point, but he didn't want to direct it. And I was like, I don't want to do it with anyone else, you right. know? Um, but the cool thing is, is that we actually filmed Jackie in his studios outside of Paris. So I visited there when he was shooting Valerian. Those oh, are yeah. amazing studios. They're amazing <laughs> studios. And um, so every day going to set, I would see him in the morning. Because yeah. his office, he was prepping Valerian while we were shooting Jackie. And so I would see him every morning. Um, and it was it was so wonderful. It felt like a, a full circle. Yeah, what a facility too. And like the fact that he uses like students like on his films and stuff and like walking by, walked by the fifth element car as I walked in, it was like, my brain exploded walking into that. Yeah, he's, he's really great. he's really visionary also in terms of what he's building over there. So um, jumping around, and I, you know, I, I know a lot of people talk about certain films. Maybe one one of the films that you, doesn't come up a lot, but I love personally. I don't know what your thoughts is the Woody Allen film. Everyone says I love. Oh, you. thanks. I do love that film. I adore that movie. I think it's so. It's like it, there's something really it's special about it. Very like romantic and yeah. magical. So how do you remember your experience on that? Do you, I've heard you be somewhat critical of your own performance or singing in it, or is that not true? No, no. I mean, I'm, I barely sing in it. And when I do, I'm like crying while right. singing. It's not exactly like <laughs> meant to be a beautiful aria, but um, it was, uh, it was so fun to work on because there were a lot of young people and, yeah. um, and we were in New York and Paris and we weren't, um, we didn't have to work every day. You know, we weren't in all the time. We had like a lot of time to kind of just play. Nice. So there's like Gabby Hoffman, who I love, who's so amazing. And I, she's like one of my favorite actresses now. Yeah. Um, and Natasha Lyonne, who's so great. And um, Lucas Haas. Right. And um, Liv Tyler was there for a while. I think she got cut out of the yeah, yeah. film in the end, but she was there for a little. So 
we had this sort of group and um, we had so much fun together. And um, so I mainly remember the sort of like social camaraderie of right. that. Um, and on set, I remember being just kind of like scared all the time because um, he had people improvise and I really didn't know how to do that. So I was like, in those like group scenes, I'm always like eating a sandwich in the back. So it's like, <laughs> if anyone expects me to talk, I'll just have a full mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you really did dive in head first between working with like Luke and Michael Mann and Woody and Tim Burton. I mean, these are like yeah. the kind of people that actors work 30 years to like feel confident and comfortable in. And I guess in retrospect, that's that's done you a great service in that like you kind of can handle anything or have that confidence. Well, it was really lucky to have that those opportunities so young and also probably to have those opportunities before I knew better than to be like really intimidated by these right. people. Because I think <laughs> if I went on to set with one of these guys right now, mm -hmm. I'd probably be so, so intimidated right. and, and afraid. So um, as a kid, there's something kind of freeing about yeah. not knowing what these people mean to, the, you know, cinema at large. Right, right. So, and, and this kind of dovetails with like some of the themes of Jackie, this notion of like um, celebrity and constructing a narrative about yourself. I'm curious, like at this point we're talking about in these early years, did you feel like a public figure? Like when did it start to shift in terms of like feeling like a quote unquote celebrity? And, and was that, was that an off-putting feeling when it came? Um, I didn't feel like a public figure probably until Star Wars came out. Not even, because we we filmed the first Star Wars when I was 16, right. but it didn't come out until I was 18 when I was graduating high school. Um, and so everything was so different. I mean, there, was, there wasn't the internet. Yeah. <laughs> there I mean, it makes me sound ancient, but the internet literally did not yeah. exist. Um, and so it made... Like I could be on like magazine covers and no one in my school would know because right. they weren't like reading Vogue or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, um, so it was, it was a different time. And, um, and then Star Wars, I think I started feeling it when like, when Star Wars was about to come out, they had, they had like a, there was like a radio station that everyone listened to every morning like going to school and that radio station held a contest to like locate my high school or something which really really scared me yeah, because it, it made me feel <laughs> like not unsafe yeah. to just go to school um and you know had like countdowns to my 18th birthday and stuff like that like kind of doesn't feel creepy right. yeah. um stuff and so that was when I started to feel for the first time like uncomfortable yeah. about being public. Well, um, and you were also, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you and your parents were, were pretty sensitive to like, you know, what can happen in terms of like overly sexualizing a young actress with absolutely. certain kinds of roles. Um, you know, I think like there was talk at the time, like you turned down Lolita, which they were doing, et cetera. Right. Um, was that something that you remember at the time like you were aware of, or Absolutely. parents were more aware of? Or? I think both. I think um, it was very, I mean, we were aware, I think all of us, when we read the script of Leon or the professional, that there was sexuality to right. the character um, and that, you know, it is a girl sort of on the cusp of her 
like discovering her own sexuality. Um, but the reaction to it, like there were reviews that in the reviews they would like criticize my parents uh, for allowing that to happen as if they were, and meanwhile, my parents were like the most overprotective, like, <laughs> you know, not show business sure. kind of parents. Um, and so I think it was hard for them and they worried that they had like made a mistake or hurt me or put me in a position. And I felt embarrassed because they would talk about, you know, uh, my like breast buds under my undershirt and I was 12 years old and it was, I was so embarrassed by it and felt so uncomfortable and felt objectified. And I didn't want to put myself in that position again. And so um, there were things that I was offered afterwards that I didn't want to do. You could feed that, that, that narrative. And right. Just... And I wanted to just really go against that, mm-hmm. um, which... Yeah, it's it's interesting so often how much you just react to yourself. Totally. There's more Happy, Sad, Confused coming up after this break. So you, you mentioned that that huge decision to uh, embark on the, the Star Wars uh, films, the three films, was was that was it a decision or was it like a no-brainer once you got that offer, like that you don't say no to that? Or was there like a a uh, Natalie Portman family meeting where let's list the pros and the cons of what this can do to our lives because this is massive. This is beyond. Yeah, it wasn't like a family meeting, but it wasn't necessarily obvious because, you know, Star Wars is such a huge phenomenon in the U.S. and internationally. But for my family, it wasn't like a thing. (laughs) Um, It's not something I grew up with. It Mm -hmm. wasn't. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, and yeah, it was, so So people I was working with, like agents and stuff were telling me like, this is the biggest deal. You have to be part of this, you, you this, you. But I, I didn't, that wasn't something I, right. I instinctively knew because um, I, I didn't realize, I think until I stepped into it, what a universe it was. And it was it was an incredible opportunity to get to be part of. And um, I'm so lucky that I got got the chance. Um, but it was it wasn't like an obvious like, oh, of course, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm curious also, I mean, you've talked about and all the actors uh, that have been in the films have talked about like the um the technical, you know aspects of it, which were which were innovative at the time or still innovative. it was it was shot digitally, as I recall. It was obviously a ton of green and blue screen, et cetera. Um, and you were still a relatively young actor. Right. were were like Liam and Ewan helpful to you and kind of like, or were they overwhelmed as well by kind of the apparatus? Well, I think it was one of the first times that a movie had used that much blue screen or yeah. green screen. And it was definitely, it was the first time a film was shot digitally, a film like that was completely digital. Right. So I think it was pretty new for everyone. And it's really, really challenging because not only are you imagining the interior lives of your characters, like, you know, you do on every movie where you're acting a role, but you also have to imagine everything that's going on around you. So it's almost like- And it's not like there's a fire truck over there. There's like a six-headed beast that no one's ever seen over there. Look at my computer screen. Right. That's over there. Right. And even 
they don't always have that. Sometimes yeah. there's not even like a sketch or a pre-visualization or right. a model ahead of time. Sometimes they're literally just like, there's this monster that's attacking you and right. look, look scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're often working off of like tape marks, like yeah, you're- A ton of spall or tapes. Yeah, an yeah. X. Um, so it's, it's challenging in in a very very different way than yeah. than any other movie. Do you take a certain amount of joy in sort of seeing like the rise again of Star Wars? I'm doing a shoot with Felicity this afternoon, yeah. and and obviously Daisy. Everyone fell in love with that character. Yes. Have you spent? Have you met Daisy? Or have I you, haven't, and you know? I love her in the movie. It's, um, and I ha I haven't seen. Felicity's movie, but I think she's an extraordinary actress. Yeah. So um, I think it's incredible. And I think Kathleen Kennedy has done like such an amazing job. And especially creating these central female characters is so great for the whole yeah. Star Wars universe. Well, I mean, and like, you know, as you well know, I think like for good or for bad in, in this industry, in your industry, the economics kind of drives um, who gets hired for what. And it's, it seems undeniable at this point when you look at something like Hunger Games and Star Wars and Diversion. I mean, like yeah. all these female-led franchises, it's like the proofs. And if you needed numbers, okay, there are the numbers for you. Right. And also it sort of breaks down the concept of what are boy movies and what are girl movies yeah. and what are girls into and what are boys into, yeah. which is really important for us because we're still giving like our girls like pink, yeah. you know, yeah. and and nail polish and, you know, dolls and boys trucks and balls. And it's right. like – when you see what kids are, if you provide them with different options, it's like <laughs> there is no natural gender distinction between right. these things. So the, the the only other important $64,000 question on Star Wars movies I have is, have you decided or has the decision already been made on to show your son the prequels first? Or do you, where do you start? Um, I don't know. Well, I feel like you have to start with the first movies that came out. I haven't shown him yet, but um, I was talking about it with a friend. Because then there's the reveal of yes, you know, there's like an important reveal that I think you yeah, would, I can't even if like you wrap watched, my brain around watching it. Frankly, if you watch from the episode one first, first, yeah, then there's it no robs reveal. It a of, yes, some drama, which is kind of a big deal, yeah. <laughs> kind of everything. <laughs> right. So we're all yeah. agreed. Yes. Okay. Show them in the order they were made. Right. <laughs> so, um, so coming off of. So were you shooting Star Wars through your time at Harvard then? Yes. Um, I – well, I did the first one when I was 16 and then – so that's before I started college. And then the second one when I was 19 after my first year yeah. of college. And then the last one after – the summer after I graduated. So it kind of took me through. And it was somewhere in there because I – and I remember this even just – being I'm a few years older than you, but being here in New York at the time, I remember what a huge deal it was when I saw the cast assembled for The Seagull. Here in New York, it was like every amazing actor on the planet directed by Mike Nichols. Yes. And I, was, I think that was where you met Mike, yes. right? Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Kevin Klein, Meryl Streep, do I have yep. this right? Yeah, Christopher Walken. Right. Marsha Gay Harden, John Goodman. It was like yeah. unbelievable. It was insane. So give me, a, was that a big moment for you? Was that kind of- It was huge. Um, it was really, really- unbelievable um, to get to watch all of those people and their different processes and through a rehearsal process and then on stage every night and be working on a piece as amazing as The Seagull. I mean, The Seagull's maybe the best play I've ever <laughs> written. So 
and um, one of the greatest roles, and then to do it for free outside right. in Central Park. It was really like the most magical yeah. experience, and Mike became one of the most important people in my life, the director. It's interesting because I've heard you talk about that that influence on your life, and one of the things that he he helped you with or, or kind of gave you advice about was, was your, using your voice, mm-hmm. right? Altering your voice a little bit. And that occurs to me in watching Jackie. It actually even occurs to me in talking about Star Wars. Um, and voice is something I think we forget as how as like what a key component it can be in terms of like um, constructing a character. Yes. Was that, was that what, what, what was it that he told you or advised you about? Well, I, I, he, he, he'd noticed that I had sort of like this little girl voice, you know, and even as an adult, I was still speaking with this little girl voice. And I think I didn't even um, acknowledge, I didn't really understand what he was telling me until, you know, a decade after he told me. He was just, because I think he also was putting it in a way that was not critical. He was like, you know, let's work with a voice coach so that you can expand your range and try different things. And now when I look back on it and I, you know, if I happen upon an old film of mine, I can hear that I was really talking like a little girl. And I think that um, it's been useful to use even for, you know, like Black Swan, it was a big vocal Mm. choice for me because um, that was sort of, we used to, Darren and I had this sort of code of like, he would say white swan, black swan, that there were these sort of two characters within the character and the white swan had this like little girl voice because I noticed with a lot of the ballerinas I met that they had this little girl voice. And I think there's something about being treated like a child. Sure. um, Which often happens to women. And especially if you're a small woman, like Mm. physically small. Yeah. a lot of friends of mine and I have this conversation when you're physically small as a woman, like people will treat you as a child even when you're like way into adulthood. Right, right. And, um, and sometimes you internalize that and behave like that and it's also more socially acceptable. It makes you seem less scary sure. or, you know, you seem more delicate, you seem more, um, you know, less threatening, uh, which are of course sort of classic passive female right. qualities and um and having this having a voice having like a a more grounded um lower just opening up your voice to have different possibilities sure. um, helps you a lot of course try different things as a character do you, do you ever experience anything close to like stage fright whether we're talking about something like seagull or oh um, yeah Going on stage is very, very scary. I, I don't really have it on film. Right. Um, I mean, I get scared about playing characters, but but it's when not you're, debilitating in the moment. No, it's like exactly. maybe in the anxiety leading up to shooting or right. whatever. It's not like my heart's pounding like yeah. before every take. Um, but yeah, going on stage definitely has that. Although I haven't done it as much at all. What What was more intimidating was it um, the Oscar speech or the Harvard commencement address? Oh my God, they were both terrifying. I have like. <laughs> I have a hard time public speaking. Like I always feel like I'm gonna cry when I have to talk in front of people. Um, so it like comes off like I'm really emotional about whatever I'm talking about, <laughs> but I'm just really scared she to talk okay? in front of she people. She always seems a little Exactly, extra. a little shaky. Um, so, and it's weird because I obviously, you know, if I'm like performing, it feels totally different. And in life, I'm like an, al- I'm not like a shy person. Right. <laughs> um, but 
but yeah, it's uh, it's funny. So I was, yeah, very scared for both. Um, the Oscars, I was like mainly scared that I was gonna fall because like I was so pregnant as, <laughs> as I am now. Um, and in heels, it's right. just not, not, and there's like stairs and. Yeah, they're making an obstacle course for you yeah, basically. It's, it's not a good situation. <laughs> and Harvard, it was just, you know, there's such a big, I, I watched so many of people's past speeches and usually they get comedians. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, I'm not a comedian. That's so disappointing because all anyone wants to do ever is laugh. <laughs> right, right. Um, briefly, because um, I know you've got a busy day. So you, it sounds like you, you look back on your time in the, the Marvel Universe. With I mean, it was a fun time. You got to yes. work with Kenneth Branagh, who I'm yes. obsessed with. Amazing. Yes. Um, did it did it become less enjoyable as it went? I mean, there was the whole thing about like Patty Jenkins was going to direct the sequel. And I know it sounded like you were obviously disappointed, as many were, when that didn't work out. Did, was there any kind of feeling of like, oh, this is turning. Maybe this is time, the right time to get I really out of it. loved working on it. Chris Hemsworth is one of the great people working right now. He's just like yeah. a joy to be around and he's super, super talented. And Tom Hiddleston also and Kat Dennings and Stellan Skarsgård. I was like really blessed with the people I got to work with. Um, so I, I really loved it. And and I, I really liked, um, you know, both directors I got to work with. So I really don't have complaints I liked all the Marvel people and it's that those are really fun movies to get to be part of and yeah. again like kids love them um yeah I mean I'm I'm excited that they're creating more female characters and hiring more female directors and minority um characters and and directors as well because um they have the power to do that and yeah. it what need, it's what needs to happen in our entire industry not just in those films. Speaking of which, are, are you still planning uh, developing this Ruth Bader Ginsburg project? Set? Yes, yes. Um, I'm hoping that this will happen this year. Yes, yeah. looks like it will. Very nice. And then, uh, you know, just coming full circle on Jackie, which I'm surprised, like we haven't. I apologize, we haven't spent more time on it, yeah. but there's so much to talk about. Um, so, so Jackie, in terms of Pablo Lorraine, an amazing filmmaker who I think surprised many, being attached to something like this Chilean. Do I have mm -hmm. that right? Right. Um, were you because were you attached to this when Darren was going to direct it, or did no. it? Okay. So Darren was going to direct it with someone else, and then they decided not to do that. And so then he just wanted to produce it. So when he sent it to me, it was already something that he was only going to produce. And is there was there sensitivity for you? Because you, you haven't actually played that many real-life figures in your career that I can think of. Um, and, you know, knowing what we do know of, of Jackie, like— this would be the last thing, frankly. She, she wouldn't want to see a film about herself. Many few people would probably. Right. Um, is there is there sensitivity about that? Knowing like, you know, the 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 maybe the family nest doesn't necessarily need or want to relive this very sad week in their lives, or did uh, right? I think that yeah, you definitely. I definitely have a lot of sensitivity and appreciation for their sense of privacy. Um, at the same time, I think it is like so covered it's not exactly like yeah you're not we're revealing. the first people yeah, exactly. to delve into this part of history so i hope it's not um more painful in any way and i think that if anything the movie really expands our appreciation for jackie and without being like reverent you know it's yeah. not it's not like 
worshiping her in any way, but it's, um, but I think it is um, showing her humanity and incredible contribution she made to our country. Well, and it's talking about someone that in, in the, the most dire and saddest of circumstances took control of of her life, of her of her husband's legacy, of her legacy. It was, she was very, seemed like very aware of the pivotal nature of those few days following yes. the assassination. And she was very aware that although she was going through something privately that was incredibly, unimaginably horrible, right. that it also had significance publicly and had this public image. Yeah. Um, um, well, as I said, it's, it's a fantastic piece of work. It's, thank a, it's you. a great performance and hopefully all I would say this is like a, a silly time of year with all these crazy red carpets and stuff, but it's, it's all for a good cause. These are movies yeah. that we all love and um, more people should check out these uh, these labors of love for you and Pablo yeah. and Darren. Thank so you. Um, hope to see you down the road. Thanks and, so much, uh, you too. Thanks, Natalie. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs> this episode of Happy, Sad, Confused was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.